Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon, Brandon Wom Pickups. Hey, this is me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. Hello. We are thrilled to death that you are listening. We appreciate all of our audience out there. For those of you who don't know how this typically goes, we've got somebody special on the line. Hey guys, I'm Felipe Pampuri. I'm the owner of Beatron XFX, and I finally made it here, man. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome. Good, good to have you. Yeah, we're really excited. Beatron XFX. Uh, anybody who is uh, digging pedals these days has surely come across and dropped their jaw when they see a Beatronics pedal. Um, they are, Thank you, man. I think, pretty singular in the pedal world and um, coveted by quite a few. So um, we're going to find out more about Philippe's story and how he came to make up these really insane pedals. If you are following along and not driving, you can go to btronicsfx.com, btronicsfx.com and check out uh, his, his stuff. And let's get some stuff done real quick. Sorry. Uh, if this is your first time to the Guitar Knobs podcast, Welcome. Uh, just very briefly, I want to mention that we focus on boutique builders of guitars, amps, gear, pedals, and the like for those uh, who fly a little lower under the radar. Maybe not some of the big giant guys, people who are doing really unique things in a way that is that is helpful and lovely to all of us. And unique. And unique. Did we, I say unique a few times? <laughs> we give you a voice to tell us all about it. Yeah. So... Welcome. We've got a, a super fantastic show. I'm really, really excited about this. Hey, you know what? I wanted to bring something up here. That I really love the microphones we're doing this podcast with. They are Rode microphones. And uh, the particular microphones we have are the Procasters. And not only did they uh, provide us the microphones, they gave us this awesome hardware. And you could just place the mic wherever you want. You don't hear the... Or the... Well, now all they the, do. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was simulating those old, yes. old timey. Yes, you know. The, yes, the the boot the, the hardware is just impeccable. Yeah. So, Thank you so, so it, much. It's it's not a Telecaster. That's or a right. Stratocaster. It's a Procaster. It's nice. a Procaster. Thank for you pros. so much, Rode, for providing this, and to Grado Headphones for providing the headphones that are on our head so we can hear uh, Philippe calling in. For where are you calling from, by the way, Philippe? Yeah. Uh, I'm in Los Angeles right now. From all Everyone the way else. from Los Angeles. Uh, it sounds like you're right here in our studio with us. That's correct. Oh, yeah. Hi. Uh, so thank you, Grado Headphones, for supplying those to us. Gentlemen, I think we can get on with what's going on in our music world this week. Uh, Tony. <laughs> wow, that was quite the delay. Yes. Uh, this week. So I have joined with Todd and Jared in their jazz master quests mm. jazz master ish building quests. yes yes um, jazz masher jazz mashers uh jared was looking for some a uh, bound neck with yeah block inlays good necks and we were looking for a couple of options and i stumbled on one um on uh on an auction site online jared made contact ended up buying it and then i noticed the same guy had a one that had a Strat headstock, so it's a little smaller headstock, which mm -hmm. I, is my preference on Jazzmasters. I mm. like the smaller headstock ones. I like the big ones. 
Well, that's, you know, whatever you yeah. like. It's whatever that's you like. That's what it's about, man. So I ended up ordering one of those. And then I was looking for some Jazzmaster bodies. And I found a super, super great deal on Warmoth. Uh, they were just blowing out this one. Actually, I had two of them. But the, the one in particular that I wanted had a gloss finish. And what I'm doing with mine is in the mid-90s, Fender Japan put out a Ventures uh, Jazzmaster. Mm. Has a different guard. Um, it's uh, It doesn't have all the quirky controls. Yeah, well, that's one of the things they spec that they didn't want the upper controls, the rhythm section, as they say. And um, so it just so happened I was making a, one of these guards for, uh, for, for a friend of mine. And I said, boy, you know, if I ever build a jazz master, I'm going to do it this way. And uh, lo and behold, it just sort of happened that, uh, you know, the neck showed up or, well, it's not here yet, but it, it showed up in, in, in my world. And, and, uh, and then Warmoth had this body, so it's going to work out perfectly. The body is, is routed perfectly without the upper section, so it's going to work out just, just fine. But that's what I, that's what's, so waiting for all the parts to arrive, and we're going to go from there. Cool. And we'll all you know have what? the jazz masters we're building. The the next that we were looking at, they have this killer bird's eye. So of course it catches anybody's eye, right? Mm-hmm. Even a bird. Well, that's true. Because the birds see it, because it's the bird's eye. And <laughs> Yes, Jared? Did you get stuck? I did. I got stuck. I forgot my words. <laughs> no. Well, of course you're going to want to buy the neck because, you know, usually you have to buy a Fender Custom Shop to get, you know, a neck like that. Well, even more, I mean, it's 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 a very expensive option to go with both binding around the fretboard yeah. and block inlays, which yeah. Fender did in the mid to late 60s. Sure. And they occasionally release ones like that, but uh, they're usually pretty top end. Right. Well, there very you cool. Have yeah. So that's what's happening in my world. That's fantastic. Oh, and I am going to, Jared is uh, going to make me a couple of uh, his wide range humbuckers in Jazzmaster covers. Those wide range humbuckers are the bosom, everybody. Yeah. Hey, you get a nice, thick, giant, loud, yeah, clear and articulate tone. You, there's no more adjectives, so there you used them all up. <laughs> used well, them all. Yeah, I couldn't have been more serious. That's what they sound like. Yeah, so. I get you. Cool. Thanks, Tony. Philippe. Yeah. What's going on in your world, music world, buddy? Oh man, this week was a crazy one for me. Uh, we actually finally finished the what I believe. I believe no, I'm pretty sure is the very last prototype of our new pedal, the Royal Jelly. Oh, yes, uh, I've seen notes about that. Yeah, it took me uh, a bit just to get, it's like, almost like stupid stuff, but like final details that I want the box to, you know, be very perfect and everything to uh, fit in perfectly. Uh, mm-hmm. So it took me a long time back and forth between making prototypes and all that. And I finally came to a point where I'm like, all right, we're done. Uh, we can start making Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really cool that I did this week. Uh, cool. I had already finished the Buster, which our other pedal that's going to come out together with that one. So you one. have two new pedals coming out. Yes, we have two new pedals that's coming awesome. out. But then also this week, I finished 
a prototype, which is not a, a final prototype, it's just a circuit-wise prototype uh, for a new pedal that I hope we are able to put it out maybe in a couple of months. But it's a really cool, weird one that's going to join the walk the hell and the more crazier side of Beatronics. So I'm very excited about that one personally, personally because I want it on my board like very bad, you know, so <laughs> now I have one done that I can have it on my board. And what else I did? I did put together a new pedal board last night because I, I got a gig tomorrow I get a play. So I put together a little board and has only five pedals in it, which usually sounds weird. But the more pedals I make, the less pedals I actually use in the end. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Like do, you, that. do you typically have a bigger board? I used to. I used to have a really big board. Like I used to trip on all the stuff like you know the loop switchers and the whole thing and having a bunch of stuff and i don't know if it's just because of being lazy <laughs> but it went shrinking and shrinking and nowadays most gigs i play i'll play with like five six pedals at the most yeah It'll but come I, will, back I, will, I will i will build yeah i'll build a bigger one <laughs> i've been talking to a friend of mine i have this friend uh he he has a company called recycle pedal boards and he built the one that I, I actually have nowadays. Oh. Uh, and I was talking to him actually a couple of weeks ago that we need to build a bigger one. So I start on a new project. And yeah, it's the one we had uh, at the NAMM show for, for this year's show. We had the board that he made. Uh, they're amazing. Amazing. Really well built. Excellent. The one I have has, uh, has a really cool like opening section that you can open. I don't know. It's hard for me to explain without visuals but you can pop it up the whole top of the board and then on the inside i have my i have the the power supply and everything oh yeah i know it's kind of like a flip top yeah it's kind of like a flip top and then my idea is for us to build a new one that's going to be bigger and some pedals are going to stay on the inside because i was running this one with uh, a holy grail inside just so i if I came to a gig that the amp didn't have reverb, I would just turn that thing on and leave it on at all times. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of what's up with me. Oh, that's cool. All righty, Jared, what's so, up? So, we went to the Indianapolis Guitar Show recently. Yes. And uh, we did talk about this last podcast. I bought the, Mu the Mutron 2 phaser. Are you going with Mutron or Mutron? Nice. Mutron, Mutron. <laughs> okay. yeah, I don't know. So uh, anyhow, at the show, there was also a uh, Mutron biphase. And uh, that's not really a pedal that you put on the floor. That's that's basically a, a big... Paperweight. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big, giant console thing. Well, not big, giant. It's about a foot by a foot, maybe. And uh, you... That's big. You need, yeah, a, big, you need a big pedal board for pretty that. Pretty large. Yeah. But anyway, on the bottom of it, there is... A um a hole that you screw it on the top of a mic stand, and yeah. that's so it it it's right there, and you can just I, walk can, up to it, and you can make adjustments on the fly while you're playing. I can, I picture like Air, the band Air, using yeah. that like on stage, you know. <laughs> I don't know if everybody remembers. Well, that. I mean, they were great. But, you know, I suppose artists may have it like on the side of the stage or their tech has it in the back and they're operating it or whatever. But but uh, I I looked into it and I kept looking at them. I kept looking at them. And it just, 
fermented in my brain, so I had to get one. So I called uh, somebody that I already do business with, and they had one in stock, and he gave me a really great deal on it. And uh, so I went for it. Is, is this a new pedo, or is it? Uh, I'm kind it's of. It's older lost. than all of us, except all right, for Tony. Right, right, right. It's, cool. it's, awesome. yeah. it's old vintage. It's an ones. old neutron. Yeah, right, yeah. Cool. Right, yeah. Cool. I think it's from the mid 70s, like early mid 70s. Yeah, that's cool. I think I know which one you're talking about. The big. I, giant. I wonder why people don't make more stuff like that, giant stuff. You I know, think I, we're I like. I, we're seeing I like, a turn in that. Yeah, I, I can. I tend to like those things better than the smaller, and I don't know. Yeah. Well, really, yeah. I mean, what what really sold me on this thing is that you could actually stereo phase. Nice. So that that made me that that put me over the edge and made me want it you know, check it out. So I got it. And sure enough, there's templates that you put over the whole unit mm-hmm. and it, it marks out where you put all the buttons and switches and whatnots to get that sound. And, uh, oh, so wow. I, so I did that and I had two different amps and you play your guitar and it's just, it, it totally puts a whole new tone on all your guitars. That's cool. It's just, it's nice. layering. It's, it's just, it's a really great experience to be able to use it like the whole thing, you know, to, to be able to utilize what it all has to offer instead of just having one amp. I haven't done everything you can do with it because I'm still on the stereo phasing because I like it so much. But, uh, you know, one day at a time, you know, yeah. I'll see what it Did it you put do. it up on the mic stand? Yes, I did. No. Yeah. <laughs> I sure did. I'm That's six cool. foot six, man. So it's a lot That's easier. That's cool. I, it's kind <laughs> of, I don't know. I find it kind of weird, but cool at the same time. You know, having it there, and especially yeah. on like a stage situation for playing live, uh, it's kind of weird to look at it and see what the hell is that 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 guy has there. But well, it's kind of like uh, Jimmy Page walking over to the theremin. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say put that right next to your theremin. But <laughs> right. I mean, really, um, Philippe, I think this is kind of maybe something that you're you're hedging towards right now, which is you know when you said I, I wonder why people don't make th- you know these kind of things anymore. It's yeah. like think about think about what Johnny Greenwood does. He spends half of the show on his knees twiddling the knobs on the floor, yeah. right? Exactly. Or at least used to, you know? And I know that there's several other bands that tend to do that as well. So uh, the idea of being able to have those controls, there's a band that plays in town with us actually called Way Yes. A um, little shout out to Columbus um, Supergroup. Hey, yo. Um, and one of, the, one of the guys in it, it basically has a stand uh, it, it, he just uses a music stand type of situation. It's it's almost like a pedal board on a stand. So yeah, he's cool. he and he runs vocals and stuff through that too. So nice. he's able to 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 actually play the pedals, and that's a thing that most people don't do. The pedals are on the floor. You turn it on. You turn it off. But nobody's playing yeah. the pedals. I mean, I guess nowadays that's starting to become a little bit more. Uh, popular just because also in a sense like the new like indie and more hipster bands yeah they're more willing to try different stuff in a sense yeah. you know than like sometimes you know a rock group like full rock and roll the guy's gonna say i'm not gonna have a pedal board on top of like right in front of me no screw that you know so yep. it's kind of like you know different. and these mutrons have stood the test of time 
You got Rick Derringer. They're built really solid. Tons of, of uh. stars use these. And then um, our Smashing Pumpkins use them, uh, use this thing for Siamese Dream. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, as for me, since nobody asked, whatever. Yeah, what's going on um, here? So world? at that same show, I bought... I, I, it's one of those things where you're driving home and you're like, what did I just do? <laughs> but there was a uh, there was a Blues Deluxe tweet, a USA made, that um, everybody tricked me into buying. <laughs> I got a really good deal on it. You were it. psyched out about I, it. I was because it, the, the big thing was is it had, it had a, um, a cab with it. So I essentially got the Blues Deluxe and the cab for basically less than what I would pay for a used blues deluxe. So I was really excited about that because I, I want to be running a cab on each side of the stage in my gig setup. And, um, and this was, just, it was a good deal. I, I can honestly say I had never played a blues deluxe. <laughs> so, so all the things that I would tell someone not to do, I completely did. <laughs> At, but, you know, and we waited till the end of the show. I checked it out and, and, you know, the guy gave me the, I got a butt, I got a hip replacement. I've had a knee replacement. I live, you know, two States away. So I'm thinking he probably wanted, doesn't want to take this home. I should make him an offer. And, uh, and got that, but this is my thing. It sounds amazing. Have I, you tried running like one cab on one side and the other one on the other? Well, that's what, that's what I'm going to be doing. And that, that's oh. the whole reason I got it. Um, yeah. because I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I want I to have to, a balance for the audience. Yeah. I used to play like that. I, I was in the band for a long time, like for eight years and we, whenever we started that band, we had two guitar players, and then eventually the the second guitar pl player dropped the band, and he went back to Brazil. I mean, I'll tell the whole story later on, but anyway. So when he left the band, we would go play live, and it felt very weird to have only sound coming from my right. side and not having from the other side. Right. So I started playing with a two amp kind of setup. What I would do at the time was just uh, punch in like a turn on the other amp mainly on like choruses and stuff like that oh, like you cool. know where we needed like a bigger sound but that's what i yeah. like ah because it, it, it felt very weird for me whenever he left it was like yeah, I, I don't know i walk through a stage and guitar disappears whenever i go there so it's like i don't right. know well and for the people that are in the you know in the front of the audience too is like if you're on the right we've talked about this i've brought this up several times i hate to you know make people listen to this again but the idea that if you're on the left-hand side of stage and you're in front of the bass player, yeah. you don't get to hear the direct of of the guitar player because you're probably too far in front of the PA as Sometimes well. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes, if it's me, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, no escaping my hack now. Uh, anyway, so I got those amps, in, uh, that amp and the cabinet, and and um, I, I've really enjoyed dialing in my sound at home, but. This is one of those silly things I have. I'm, I'm a very aesthetic minded person and I've got an aesthetic for the band. And now I'm just realizing these tweeds don't go with my band, man. Just spray paint them. I'm thinking about it. Actually, I'm not going to lie. Just spray paint them. So, uh, well, the other, the other way out of that is trading somebody for a hot rod deluxe and a hot rod deluxe cab. They come black. You know? No, the the deluxes, the the blues deluxes don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, so well, what's yeah, wrong with the tweet? 
it, for the aesthetic of my uh, <laughs> it doesn't the look of my right. band <laughs> doesn't look right yeah so anyways I, I i'm the verdict's out i don't know what i'm gonna do no the verdict isn't out the jury's out the verdict isn't back anyways hey oh, one two one two three four on the floor all right fleet give us your four on the floor all right cool so i'll start with the newest ones and go towards the older ones cool so i guess one of the pedals that i've been actually not living without it uh it's the replicator by t-rex oh. uh the tape delay on the pedal uh i'm crazy about tape delays uh, i have a copycat from watkins an old one and i work a lot at nrg studios uh do a lot of work you know producing and recording with my brother and i love we have there like a bunch of stuff my brother has a multivox and which similar to the space echo it's one that came before the space echo in fact uh and we use a lot the benson which is my favorite delay uh so the replicator gives me a little bit of that taste you know uh on my pedal board size you know so it's is that really a digital cool. pedal or is that analog no no it's an actual tape an actual tape on the pedal oh, uh, oh the t okay t-rex yeah the t-rex okay. the replicator yep sorry uh i guess they have the junior version now which i hope i get one at some point just because it's even smaller but i have the regular version uh it's great i love it uh i just love it i've been using a lot to run other instruments through it as well oh that's cool uh, on my little you know home studio setup mm -hmm. uh i i just been Everywhere I go, I've been taking that pedal with me because I, I really like it. Excellent. Uh, a second one that's like a newer pedal is the Pitchfork, which I guess is pretty obvious. A lot of people love that pedal. Yeah. Uh, I just recently got one because I'm friends with this. There's this producer called Joe Barisi. Uh, he's like an insane producer and a gear geek. And I've I made him a couple of pedals and stuff, and he wanted to kind of pay me back or something and you know he's a friend he was like he bought me the pitch fork he was like dude i think you're gonna like it so since he gave me and has has not left my board and i play with it a bunch and it's really cool really cool to create different stuff to create different riffs uh really cool for like some i don't know it feels to me like a lot of music that's going on nowadays more uh on the van of r&b and like mm -hmm. uh stuff like that they use some weird harmonies with this pedal whenever you set you know like your third or like minor third or major third and you go in playing with stuff you find some weird crazy stuff that could go very well onto that kind of genre right uh i've been seeing a lot of people you know bass players playing that uh, yeah there's a little bit of sort of like space or psych funk kind of yeah. stuff happening right now i feel like that that's coming coming back a little bit yeah, exactly. I mean, I love all all the people that are doing, you know, that kind of stuff from yeah. Thundercat to, you know, Anderson Pack and I mean, Hayatus Coyote, all these bands that they're like crazy. And I think that pedal would fit pretty well on a setup of any of those guitar players. Sure. Obviously, I believe Thundercat probably plays his bass with a pitchfork or maybe a couple pitchforks because he does some crazy sounds. Cool. Uh, anyway, so that's one of my my favorite pedals great then the other one would be the vibe unit which i believe is pretty much a, a uni vibe kind of 
copy, but from prescription electronics, you know, those ones, those old ones, I don't know if they're from the 90s or something, that they have the big swirl paint paint on it. Hmm. Uh, I don't know uh, if I'm familiar with that. Was it I a Jimi Hendrix? Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's like, uh, I, believe who, I believe who made prescription electronics. I might be wrong, but I think uh, Analog Mike had something to do with those pedals from Analog Man. Uh, I believe, I don't know if he's the one who made it. I, I'm not sure about the history of the thing, but it's just like a, a really big box swirl kind of thing, unified pedal. And it sounds very deep, like very, very deep. And it sounds real for me. It sounds oh yeah, natural and amazing. I, I love it. So some of them have swirly paint and some of them don't. Actually, yeah, some of them some look don't like have. the... Um, uh, what, what's the brand I'm trying to think of? Um, it almost has like a full tone feel to it because it's just yeah, very plain exactly, yeah. front. Yeah, like the Deja Vibe. They yeah, have exactly. Yeah, would yeah. Look similar. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, but this thing, I I don't know. I just we we had one at NRG and I used to play that pedal a lot and it it always felt for me like was the deepest vibe pedal that has. It's very meaningful the sound, so right. I always love it. Right, uh, cool. And then my last one, I included the first pedal because I figured I would have to include the first pedal. <laughs> uh, it was hard to think of four pedals, especially because nowadays I played kind of the same thing mm -hmm. <laughs> all the time, which are mainly my pedals, uh, but not, not because of preference, just because they're usually closer to me and i just put them <laughs> on a board and and do it but uh, my my last pedal would be the first tone uh the fz1 uh from you know maestro or gibson or however they would call it back in the day it's my probably one of my favorite fuzz boxes it's very nasty and uh i don't know i would i would just describe as nasty like it sounds i don't know it's it's really cool I actually got one on a trade a couple, maybe four or five years ago. Wow. I had built, I had built myself this pedal and it was like a little green box that I had built and I loved that thing. I had, I don't even remember what transistors had on it, but I had some old transistors in it and I just loved it and I built it for myself and then I brought it into this friend's studio and he was like, hey, dude, I want to buy that pedal off you. I want to buy that pedal off you. And I was like, oh, no, dude, I'm not selling this thing. This was back before Btronix officially existed, right? Like, mm -hmm. th that, that was actually one of the friends who was kind of responsible for Btronix actually starting to exist because he was one of the first people to ever buy a pedal from me. And he was like, dude, I want to buy the screen thing. I want to buy that pedal. I want to buy and then he had this fuss tone laying around that he bought it and he didn't like it. And he was like, hey, dude, what about I give you that fuss tone for your pedal? I was like, dude, the fuss tone is like 500 bucks pedal, you know, like <laughs> this is just a pedal that I built, you know, for myself. I was like, I know, but I don't like the fuss tone and I love this thing. I'm going to use this thing and the fuss tone is just going to sit here. Yeah. So he, he gave it to me, you know, and I gave him that other pedal. We made that trade. And then I had it for a while, the fuss tone. Eventually, I ended up trading, even though I loved the pedal, but I traded because somebody offered me an amp, and I took the amp just because I needed pedal? an amp. Yes. I can see that. 
So I was like, all right, I think I, I'm actually winning on this one. So I took <laughs> yeah. the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that original that original green pedal that I made became an amp. But, wow! Oh, wow! Uh, which was cool. So yeah, the first one is it's. I mean, it's a really cool pedal. It is also the very first pedal, I believe, the very uh, very first first pedal ever made. Uh, it was made, if I'm not mistaken, I forget the name of the guy who came up with. But they were doing a recording on bass, right? That's I, I believe that's kind of how it, the whole first thing became a thing. Uh, yeah. They were doing a recording on, on bass track and one of the channels on the console was sound, sounding like fuzzy, you know, and weird. And then they recorded and loved what, what they heard and they went back on to trying to see what was wrong with that channel and recreating that effect. Uh, and that's how how the first tone came around. And wow. It, it is... You know the very first, and I mean the Stones played it on um, Satisfaction, and you know it is that classic fuzzy, nasty tone. So I love it. Cool, man. I appreciate you sharing your four on the floor. Those are those are four great pedals. I like it. This is yeah. gonna be fun to put awesome. together. So um, the four on the floor, aside from being just a great little piece on our actual podcast, is also a post that you can check out off of our website at uh, theguitarknobs.com. Look under four on the floor and you'll find all of our guest interviews have submitted theirs and you can check them out and follow the links to get your own pedal like this. Nice. I'll try to look for the the audio of that bass that I was saying. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Because there is, there is online. I, I found it. Back yeah. In the day, well, if you yeah, find it, cool. make sure yeah, so you and guys share can put it, it on it there, our yeah. Facebook uh, group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so you can put it on the page too. Yeah. Um, so we have the maker of Btronics effects on our show right now. Um, bzz, bzz, bzz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He made a big splash at Nam. Uh, I think half of the posts that I saw about Nam were about you guys running around in your bee <laughs> c- keeping <laughs> costumes and everything. Yeah, cool. Great branding. Um, no, it was fun. But you have, um, you've got a product that is, as I mentioned before, is singular in the pedal world. Thank I mean, you. nothing looks like a beach. You you know it. It's true boutique. You can, it's what yeah, it is. you can see it a mile away and you know exactly who made that pedal. Awesome. Uh, we're going to get into all of the reasons why it is singular. I will say, um, I think from a build standpoint... There, there, are, there are a handful of people that are really actually, they're making pedals, but aside from that, for true guitar enthusiasts, you're making, you're making a piece of art. Thank you, I appreciate it. That's something that is really neat to have if you're a guitar enthusiast. If, mm-hmm. if yeah. you were purely oh, yeah. just looking to stomp on pedals and make noise, hey, this thing works, his, his pedals are amazing to do that as well. But you get the bonus of it being uh, um, just an, an incredible piece of work. So, Philippe, how did you kind of get into uh, the guitar music industry, or, or rather, maybe not so far the industry, but like yeah. what turned you on to guitar? Uh, I was born and raised in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. Uh, and... I've always played together with my brother since I remember, uh, since maybe since I'm 11 or 12. He's the responsible uh, one you were talking about, right? <laughs> he's no, he's very far from that. <laughs> uh, but he, but he does 
you know, we try to help each other, let's sure. put it that way. <laughs> but no, he's not the responsible one. <laughs> I guess I would be the responsible one if there was to be one, but no, none of us are anyway. Uh, so, no, me and my brother, my brother, he's a drummer, and we we grew up playing together. Uh, back in the day in Brazil, we used to own, uh, we owned a few recording studios in Brazil. Uh, that's what we used to do, you know, we obviously, I mean, from my childhood, I went playing guitar and always been on bands and all that. And always playing together with my brother uh, was something we always, you know, I never really had many bands where my brother wasn't in the band. So, and my dad played, my dad played guitar, my dad played piano and harmonica and kind of anything you give him, my dad's hand, he plays. Uh, so I was always, you know, into music and always knew that was where I was going to go. And me and my brother, we had a recording studio down in Brazil, maybe 10 years, 12 years ago. Uh, we tracked the record with this band that we kind of put together. I'll, I'll just make it quick, right? The story, I don't know how, how long we have, but <laughs> the story is long. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, we had the studio there and we recorded this album with a singer from, from Brazil there. A friend of mine, he came in and he was a great singer, amazing, amazing guy. And he wanted to record the record in English. And we did the record and I played guitar on it. My brother played drums. Uh, my brother produced the record. And we put together a band just for that record. And it was just kind of for fun at the time. So... Turned out that the record came out really cool. It's like a, it was like grunge band, like in the vein of Soundgarden and Pearl Jam, that, that whole vibe. And then me and my brother, once the album was getting done, the singer was like, hey dude, we should try to mix this in the US. And me and my brother were obviously always down to do that because, you know, we work at studios and, you know, here there's some of the best engineers, you know, and people who have done records that we really love. So we ended up, you know, fast forwarding, like uh, we ended up getting in touch with Jay Bound Gardner, who owns NRG Studios. And we came here to mix the record with him and he ended up signing that band that we were in. So we were here for like a vacation of 30 days at that point. And we ended up staying in the US. They were like, hey, you guys should stay uh, and not go back to Brazil. So me and my brother, uh, our partner there at the studio kept on taking, you know, and recording the bands that, and doing all the work that we had to do. And me and my brother just told him to hold up for us to see what was going to go on. So we signed to this label here and we stayed playing with that band for seven years. Uh, we released two records with, or three records pretty much with that band. Cool. And, and then we played, you know, for a long time and I toured pretty much everywhere in the US with that band. And at that time, I was already making the pedals for myself. So that's where the whole pedal thing starts going on. Uh, obviously, I loved pedals and I loved gear. And, you know, me and my brother always having studios and working, you know, producing bands mm -hmm. was always something that I was thrilled about. I was always like, oh, this is awesome. And... I was always trying at that point was when I had, you know, my big pedal boards, you know, we were touring and I had loop switcher with everything, you know, programmed. So, you know, every sound I could. And that was with that band as well that I was uh, 
that I was talking about on the setup on two amps and running the two amps. And so anyway, so me and my brother, whenever we got here, uh, I don't know if you guys are any familiar, but NRG Studios, which was actually the studio that's owned by NRG by Jay and they were our label studio and they are like one of the best studios. In my opinion, they're the best studio there is like it's insane, right? They have two rooms with Neves and a room with SSL and the room just sounds amazing. Wow. All, every gear you can imagine, like everything you can imagine. And so whenever we got there, we saw, you know, here they had a house deck. They had a guy who, who would fix the gear. Uh, and he would fix, you know, he was there full time just to fix stuff because at studio, especially at a studio of that level, stuff break every day, like every, literally every day. Right. Mm -hmm. And they had to have someone to fix stuff. And that was always a problem me and my brother ran into when we were back in Brazil, because we had a studio, but in Brazil, it's not super easy for you to find someone to fix your gear. Mm -hmm. There is not so many, it's not like there is such a huge in industry like here, LA, you know, LA, yes, there is people, you know, everywhere that does anything related to, you know, entertainment and music and, you know, uh, audio and video, obviously, but in Brazil, not so much. And when you have, you know, which we did have some guys that we would send our stuff, uh, it would take very long because they were always super busy. Like, for example, once I blew up an amp, uh, a Fender Rhodes amp. A friend of mine, he had this Rhodes, which it's extremely rare in Brazil, not easy at all to find it. And I kind of borrowed from him, was his dad. His dad didn't know I borrowed from him. And we took for a recording and it blew up the amp. Uh -oh. uh, I never found a guy to fix it in Brazil. Never. It never got fixed. I, I don't even know what happened to that amp. But because everywhere we would call, the guys would be like, oh, no, you're not bringing a road stamp into my shop like that thing is huge and sucks like no you know like you're not bringing that in so anyways uh then that was always an issue and then when i saw that they had you know a house deck and all that i told denny i was like hey denny maybe i should start learning you know about all this and learn about so we can fix our own stuff you know whenever at that time i i i mean i had just got here and i was thinking I'm going to go move back to Brazil eventually and build a studio again and do the same thing, you know, uh, that I was already doing. Uh, so that's kind of how I got started. Then I started researching about it and reading like a good starting point was building pedals. I started building pedals and reading online and forums and books and all that. And that's kind of, but then at, at the time there was nothing like Vitronics, like, uh, in mind no it mm -hmm. was never meant to sell anything or nothing like that i'm but i'm kind of one of those people who really like projects you know so if you tell me oh let's build a house i'm gonna be like yes let's do it you know so that's kind of just how i am so whenever i started making the pedals and you know as i, I started progressing and learning more and making cooler stuff i was always very into making stuff like really digging in, you know, like yeah. on like, all right, if I'm going to make this down, then why? And this was kind of how it, it came alive. Like, for example, my wife, she's an architect and designer. And 
And I was like, hey, baby, let's make the boxes. You know, you can draw on 3D, you know, stuff. So can you draw the boxes and we get the boxes made? At that point, we're making boxes, but we didn't have a pedal brand at all. So are you still in Brazil at this point? No, no, no. I don't. I mean, I go to Brazil. No, we're at this at this point. Oh, no, no. At this point, I was here. I was here in L.A. Yeah, I had just got here. Uh Maybe I was here for like a year or two. Yeah, but we were here and that's kind of how, you know, I started learning and I, I started making actually the pedals and even the whole Beatronix thing, it's, uh, I'll just go in and tell the whole story about, you know. That's a very complete backstory. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So you, you were in the recording, you know, end of things pretty early on, which probably gave you a very good understanding of um, audio dynamics and really really getting a, a good picture of what um, what is actually needed for something to sound good. I think a lot of times, especially if you're only coming from a from a like a, a, a gigging standpoint, most of what you hear in gigging is just loudness <laughs> yes. and, and, and some major effects. The subtleties are often lost. But to me, when I hear your pedals, they are not the big sort of swinging pendulum of if you go uh, this way on the pedal, it's going to sound radically different than than it was over here. You, you have subtleties, great subtleties built into your pedals. Yeah, I mean, I think this was this was and it's been, you know, like I, I'm I'm not uh, my biggest background is actually music overall you know and Mm -hmm. and the whole studio thing and recording uh me and my brother uh my brother helps me out you know my brother is also my partner my brother my wife is my partner as well and my sister-in-law and the four of us uh work together that's awesome uh on Bitronix. so everything that you see that's Bitronix related is either me or one of them you know that did it right it's only the four of us working here so you know we're talking about how your pedals are very unique in the landscape. How much of that was a conscious decision and how much of it was just like, I uh, maybe wasn't. It wasn't at all. That That's the whole thing. That's kind of where I got lost there on my story. So I never planned for Beatronix. I never planned for uh, doing like a, even having a brand, N- not at all like this owning a business is pretty far away from what my thoughts were always as far as like, I wanted to become a guitar player to exactly not ever have to deal with business. You know, (laughs) that was actually my goal always. Otherwise I would have gone study, you know, something else. But anyway, so it it actually came in, it became a thing naturally because I'm very into, you know, how I was saying projects and doing stuff. So whenever I started making the pedals for myself and I started getting better at it and liking it and started really digging what I was doing, I was at the time at that band and I was like, I want to have this very cool pedal board that's going to look so insane and it's going to sound so sick and everyone's going to ask me, what the hell do you have there? And I'm going to tell everyone, don't even look at it because you'll never get one. It's mine. (laughs) Uh, That was my whole goal, you know, with it. And... And then I started, like, I was really, I was, we started, like, making the boxes. Uh, we made a logo, you know, the logo that we have nowadays. I made with a friend in Brazil on one of the trips we were, we were touring in Brazil. And 
And I called this friend, he at the time owned a publicity agency. And I was like, hey, dude, can I come by? I want to make this logo and this, I need your help. And I came in and we sat together and we made the logo. But it wasn't a logo for an ex like an actual brand. It was like a logo for my own pedals that were going to be only on my pedal board at the time, you know? Yeah. So I was doing mainly for the fun of doing it. I was like, oh, it would be cool, you know, to have a logo. And then, you know, how we have our uh, logo badges that they're all metal and like that. I was actually, you know, planning on doing that just for myself. I was like, oh no, let's make this. And I mean, I was at the time spending money and doing stuff which made no sense on most people's head. Uh, but it was just for, for myself, you know, just for my own personal, I don't know, projects and development. Right. And then that band broke up uh, when I was at, was maybe three years and a half ago, something like that. And then if I was at that same studio I was talking about. I was there and I was playing guitar through some, through some amps there. I was playing through a Super Thunderbolt. And a friend of mine, uh, Greg Cash, he's actually a great uh, bass player. He plays nowadays with Jared Nichols. Is that his name? Jared Nichols, that dude who plays a... You, do you guys know who he is? I don't know who Jared uh, Nichols is. Uh, he is that dude, long hair, uh, dude, blonde dude who plays, he plays the uh, last ball with only one P90 on the bridge and he plays only with his fingers. It's really cool. He's, he's oh, wow. getting big. He's getting known. Like, And this friend of mine, anyways, this friend of mine, Greg, uh, he's a bass player, sick bass player. He has played with a million, you know, artists. Uh, and I had this pedal I had made was an overdrive kind of an overdrive amp, overdrive preamp kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And Cash was like, let me plug my bass in that. Let me plug the bass in. And we were on a, on a Thunderbolt, a super Thunderbolt I had at the time. Uh, I was like, yeah, dude, plug your bass here. And he feels like, I, I love this thing. Can you make me one? And at that time, my band had broke up. I was broke. And I was kind of trying to figure out what a whatever was going to do you know so mm -hmm. i was like oh no dude i'm not gonna sell and he kept on you know saying and saying and saying and then at some point I, I needed the money i was like dude all right i'm gonna make one and i made him one that same week i think he got me four other pedals so so let me get this week. let me get this straight and i will reiterate this every single time yeah. i hear it for every <laughs> for every single podcast Here's another example of someone who followed something that they were interested in, wanted to just simply create and to call something theirs that turned into an incredibly successful brand and pedal business. I, I say this every single time because this is the story that we get every time. Someone just says, man, I just really wanted to do something constructive. I wanted to do something creative. I wanted to do something in music. I wanted to get a sound that I couldn't find, whatever that may be. And then they end up creating a pedal. And then someone goes, hey, dude, can you build me one? And then, <laughs> and then the story explodes yeah. every single time. I'm smiling actually, right now because I love that story. I think it's fantastic. Nice. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, uh, I was trying to run away from that, to be honest, at yeah. the time, you know. I, was, I didn't really want to sell the pedals at all at that point, uh, but I needed money, you know? Yeah. Uh, my band had broke up. I really, I was back in, you know, I, I was doing a lot of gigs, playing with people here and there and like doing recording sessions. 
and all that, but it was always very uncertain in all my financial situation at, at that point. So uh, for those who are not familiar with the Beatronics pedals, they look like they were pried off of um, an old like Russian submarine or, yeah. or some crazy industrial, like mad, mad science place where every single part from what we can tell there are virtually no parts in here that haven't either been that, that haven't been picked from like um, a pedal parts warehouse. Almost every single part on here seems to be something that, um, you know, it, it, it isn't just a nut. It is a die cut and reformed, yeah. you know, nut shape. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny, but, but it is true. Like most of, most of the stuff on the pedals are not actual parts uh, for right. pedals, made for pedals at all. No, like I actually, I live uh, in Sherman Oaks, so I'm kind of close to Burbank area. Yep. And in Burbank, it's where they used to have, uh, they used to build planes there, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, they have a lot of warehouses and places where they still stock old parts and, you know, like surplus, weird stuff. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff came from that too, you know, like a lot of, for example, if you look at our current, uh, uh, even our jacks, like the nuts that goes on our jacks are not just like a right. the nut that comes with a jack. No, right. it's like a different nut that I found a bunch of them and I just bought them all. And eventually I'm going to run out on them, uh, which actually is not too far away of me running, but I already found another one that I like it. Uh, but so I'm kind of picky was, about the little stuff. Yeah, I'm very picky about th that kind of stuff, like little stuff, like nuts. I'm, I'm a bit of a hoarder as well. So, <laughs> like, I like knobs and I like, you know, stuff like that. So, like, if my wife sees a place where there is, like, a nuts, she'll run away from it because she knows <laughs> I'm going to go there, pick and look, you know, see yeah. if I find something that could be useful for a pedal or... Or anything else so well and, and you don't you don't tend to go for a lot of uniformity on it even even the knobs themselves they are you you know on a single pedal you'll have a, a couple different ones i i know that yeah. on, on one of the pedals we were looking and and i said tony when have you ever seen a knob that only has three numbers on it i'm like there that yeah, one right there i know that that's so those cool those ones are cool Super I, cool. I think I might have one or two of those that that's that's the funny thing so here here's I'll get back to, to the whole part where I, I was talking about it, where uh, I never planned for this. Mm -hmm. So that same guy, I had built what was going to become the walk to hell, right? Because, I mean, I'm not, uh, how I said, my background's not electronics, right? right? So at that point, I was, you know, always tripping on like grabbing circuits and learning how to modify stuff and learning, you know, learning how things work and how... How can I make it better my own way, right? Because uh, I always knew, and I still feel like that nowadays, that most of the times I know where I want to get. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times I don't know how to get there, and I might need somebody's help how to get there. But, you know, uh, it's a good start to know where you want to get, you know, mm -hmm. and and why do you want to get and how, you, I mean, how you'll figure out how. At that point, that... I had built whatever was going to become the walk to hell. And that, that same guy, Greg, he, he bought the very first walk to hell, which was actually the one I built for me. I sold to him. Then I 
whatever, you know, time went on and I, and I went on to like, all right, this is going to be a thing, the walk the hell. And we built some pedals that had that tree knob, the, the tree number knob. Thing. Yeah. The tree number knob thing was something that I found here at like a, a random shop, right? Mm-hmm. And I bought all of them that they had it. I made the very first, if you look at the, the video that Reverb.com did for, for the Walk the Hell, uh-huh. they have one of those that have the, the three numbers knob. And since this was never planned to be, be a brand, uh, at the time I was, I was using those knobs and I started, you know, they made a video like Reverb.com right from the beginning. They were, I mean, they've been very great to me. Uh, and Jim sent me a message. He had seen my pedals on the website and I was like, hey, can we make a video of the, the pedal? Like, we would love to, you know, it would be super cool. And I sent them a pedal with that three numbers knob. After all, I went on to realize, I'm like, this is stupid, you know. This is our very first video that's going to have, uh, be showing the pedal to a lot of people. And it's going to be with a knob that very soon we're going to run out and we're going to have to change the pedal visually, you know. Uh-huh. And that's kind of, I, I don't care in the end, but, you know, yeah. if you think from a business standpoint, like people say, you know, you want to, you know, make a look and grab parts that you can actually always use. Uh, you know, make some collectible. Like, Maybe that's you know that's. that's but then, then in the end, yeah, in the end, for me, it was always like the whole idea. Whenever I'll get on back onto the story on how we actually became a brand, but the whole idea from the beginning was that everything was going to be different at all the time. Yeah. So in the end, nowadays I I just got used to that, and I'm like, all right, I don't care, you know whatever if we do run a pedal that we're only gonna make 50 or 100 because we only have that part for 50 or 100 we'll do like that and we'll change it whenever comes to the time and also kind of how it always went nice yeah so Uh, you're the actual pedals you you referenced the walk to hell that's w-o-h-w-h-o-t-a-h i mean that's my version that's my version of what the word sounds like. At right. least that's what it sounds like hell. in my mind. I don't sure. ever hear anybody say "walk the hell." But yeah, but so you have you I, have that, and you have the octahive and the overhive. Can you just kind of yes. run through each of those pedals real quick for us? Yeah. So the "walk the hell" it's kind of like a crazy beast. Uh, I would say it's the craziest pedal out of our current line. Uh, it runs. Uh, you have pretty much you have a fuzz level that actually all the controls on that pedal are level. So it's almost like if it was a, a big mixer because there's no, like the fuzz knob doesn't control actually no gain. It's just the level, mm-hmm. uh, which is more like a fuzz overdrive depending on what you're running, uh, depending on how hot are your pickups, they're going to feel like more fuzzy or more overdrive. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you have uh, a like eight beat sounding kind of synthesized uh sound going together with it and then you have a master volume so you can set the level between the fuzz level the synth kind of level and the master volume uh then you can also have the the fuzz oct- the 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 synthesized octave can be one octave down or two octaves down and you can flip that with a l- little toggle switch and you can also turn just the octave off so if you want to have like the just the drive a portion of it for it to play like a rhythm or whatever, and then on a solo you want to jump in with the low octave because the low octave 
it's very crazy on this pedal, mm -hmm. uh, very out of control, uh, and it can be very nasty. Uh, so you can turn it that on and off. So in case you just want to use it on a lead on on a lead part, you can still have the more normal sound towards the rest of the tune. Uh, what that's about what, what the about Octahive the octahive sounds like? So the octahive is more on the vibe of the Octavia. Uh, very Jimi Hendrix-ish uh, sounding. Uh, it's really cool. It has a pre-control to it, uh, which sets the level before it hits the circuit uh, because of the fact that most guitar players will roll back their guitar volume to get the harmonics to really pop up and you get to actually hear a more noticeable uh, high octave. Uh, on that pedal, you have that on the pedal itself. Uh which is really cool and very useful. Mm -hmm. uh, you can step in and you're already, you know, with a, with a very rich harmonic uh, high octave. And it also has a, you can turn the octave off and then it is almost like if you had two different fuzz pedals because it becomes, it becomes a lot fatter, uh, a lot more on the stoner rock kind of sound, I would sure, say. Sure. Uh, while the other one is more towards the lead for the Hendrix, uh, you know, lovers. Uh, but when you turn it off the octave, it becomes a very fat and gated and compressed. Now, like, I mean, whenever the octave is on, it's pretty gated and compressed as well. But whenever you turn it off, it becomes a lot fatter. So you get even more of that compression, I would say. Nice. Uh, it's really cool. Really cool. Really good sounding. Uh, it, it's, uh, I would say... People seem to really like that pedal. And I would say that one of the reasons is because it sounds like an old first pedal. Uh, it sounds a lot like, you know, the, like the old classic old, one. yeah, yeah. old vintage one. Well, like the one you, you called out, the, the, the Gibson like the first slash tone, yeah. Maestro. Yeah, I mean, tone. it's not like it sounds like that pedal, but it has those characteristics, yeah. you know, yeah, those qualities. So. so you're probably best known for the Overhive. Um, Walk us through the the overhive. This is what kind of put you on the map, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we started first making the two, the the walk the hell and the and the octahive, and those were more, uh, I would say, more extreme sounding mm -hmm. pedals, right? right? So whenever we went on to, and by then we were already a brand, you know, I was like, all right, I guess I I, I saw that a lot of people. A lot of people wanted to have our pedals, but sometimes the guy plays like a pop gig or whatever, you know. Right. There's no room for the walk to hell in that gig, you right. know, most likely. Uh, anyway, so, and I, I I was already playing what was going to become the Overhive. I already had one that was for my own board. Uh, so that was kind of, uh, seemed logical that we would release that pedal. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the Overhive is a very... Uh, I would say super versatile overdrive, uh, not uh, not super gainy, but it can be gainy depending on what you're pushing. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it has the it has the tone control on the top, which is uh, one of those small little potentiometers, you know, those like little ones. Yeah, uh, and the master volume is also one of those little ones. Uh, we kept it like that because from my from my 
personal uh, liking. Uh, when I'm live, I don't keep on tweaking much of the tone or the master volume. Uh -huh. you know? I don't really tweak that on my like on an overdrive pedal. Yeah. I usually get your gig. I'll I'll hear maybe I'll make a slightly change on the tone. Maybe I'll set you know the volume of that pedal to a certain level, but I'll most likely leave it there. Uh, and that's why it has the big knob for the gain, because the gain, I end up messing more with it, especially sometimes I get to like a venue and it feels like the other night had a lot more gain, but the knob's on the same spot. So you go there and change for, you know, whatever the surrounding that you are. Uh, I, I ended up messing more with that. That's why I kept that knob like a big knob and the other ones like very small. Everybody likes uh, a big knob. Yeah. I mean, I... I <laughs> I I like I like pedals in general that have they're big and have big knobs like you guys were mentioning about the yeah. the Phaser two the Mutron the Phaser two oh. uh, I love those big you know Mutron pedals that you know have big knobs and feels heavy. Well, your know. your pedals are very um, substantial feeling. I mean, they're they're uh, you know oversized. They're yeah. on a slant box. They're on a. Um, uh, what I'm trying to think of the the term. Uh, it's the clamshell style box, so it's not. Yeah, it's not a. Uh, what's the, it's not a one piece that's molded, right? It's right. like a, right. it's like two band pieces that yeah, go together. Yeah. Uh, um, and that kind of goes with the whole is like super industrial feel of these. Um, so I they're they're just really fantastic. Um, cool. looking and sounding and um, I, I you know it's it's a great addition to to a board it's a it's a piece to have uh, you're you're about to come out with two new pedals yes actually look wise uh how we i just mentioned the the first one uh look wise the the new box the the royal jelly box uh it's a little bit inspired by those by those old maestro pedals as well that have that slanted but like the bigger ones mm -hmm. uh I was kind of concerned when we were going to release the, the Royal Jelly about that portion, talking visual-wise. Mm -hmm. uh, I was kind of concerned because I wanted to, for it, I mean, not only the circuit on that thing is big, and it would be a hard fit for our own enclosures, uh, the, the, the actual, you know, the smaller ones. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there's a lot of controls on that pedal too. It would be hard to fit everything. But then I was like, should I go the opposite way of everybody? Because everyone's trying to make pedals smaller and smaller because it needs to fit fit people's pedal board. Right. But I'm all, I'm kind of one of those people who like the you know I like the big muff, the big one. You know I like yeah. that prescription electronics that I was saying. That's like a huge box. It's super tall. Like it's it's insane. There's room to put for on everything. Any pedal you can board. have it all. <laughs> so I love that. So when we went on to making the Royal Jelly, I was wondering. I was like, this people gonna you know be mad at me for this thing being too big it, it ended <laughs> up that's not too big it's not super big but it's bigger than you know sure most anyway so, so the, yeah we're coming out with the royal jelly the royal jelly is uh uh i think it's the pedal i'm most excited about from the brand ever uh what does it do it is a fuzz and overdrive blender it's what i've been calling at least okay uh so it runs two circuits uh, in parallel. Uh, so it has a fuzz circuit and an overdrive circuit. Uh, you can blend those two circuits uh, together. So 
you can if you have there is a blend knob that we call the king and the queen you can flip between those two so cool. they're like uh, they're like presets right so uh, if you have it all the way to your left you are onto overdrive if you have it all the way to the right you are into fuss and then you can be anywhere in between the drive and the fuss uh mm. it also has a, a gain control for the overdrive section on the first section the the gain is set to maximum and then it has eq that runs uh, on both circuits uh, the eq is very strong and powerful uh, for highs and lows and also has a dry blend uh, you can blend in the dry oh, signal. Okay. It's super cool. useful for the bass. Uh, you know, if you wanna, if you don't wanna have a fully wet sound. Right. A lot of bass players feel like they lose bottom end, especially with distortions and fuzz boxes. That's what every phase uh, pedal should have. Yeah, I mean, it it is you know pretty cool for it to be able to blend in your dry signal on many different ways. I mean, I, I've been liking it to use the the Royal Jelly to do some weird uh, clean tones with a fuzzy background. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that sounds really cool too. Uh, yeah, you could end up sounding of, like you're actually running two guitars. Yes, exactly. It does. At some point, it's almost like if you had three guitars running because you have the clean, the drive, and the fuzz. Uh, and it also has a, a thing that we call it the bus switch. Uh, it adds or takes off this very like, nasty high end to the mm -hmm. first circuit ah. uh sounding a lot more on that that thing of the first tone more like nasty satisfaction thing right and you can take that off as well okay uh, i need to ask a very probably more than obvious question at this point so where does the b theme come from yeah that thing uh might i'll try to explain somewhat uh uh, somewhat in English, so, so it won't make much sense, but I'll, I'll, I'll say both ways. So uh, it's my nickname, making the story short. My nickname in Brazil is Abelha. Uh, became, I mean, I guess that's what became my nickname. Okay. But it's Abelha. Abelha means bee uh, in, Portug in Portuguese. Bee is Abelha. Uh, and my friends used to call me Abelha. It's a long story that came from being called alemão abelhão abelha that's uh, it's hard to explain but it has a sound okay to it that it went morphing it used to be i used to be called german but then i became abelha i know it makes no sense but it makes sense uh, <laughs> it makes <laughs> it, ma it makes, it makes sense no sense important. but it makes sense that's good enough yeah. for it sounds like something i would say yeah <laughs> anyways but that that was my nickname and then when i was making the pedals for myself uh, I was, you know, saying Abelatronics, Abelatronics just, especially, actually, because I really like the Musitronics from, you know, Mutron. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And stuff. I was like Abelatronics and I was writing that, you know, and then since I lived here, I was like, all right, it makes sense to be Btronics. And it became the whole beating thing. And yeah. And That's we just cool. kept on the yeah, hive I mean, and all the buzz. And, yeah, it is. Yeah, kind it's of cool. The, it's a great theme. And the thing that we just really came out with. Uh, <laughs> we just came out with a poster. I don't know if you guys saw. Uh, we came out with a new poster that is actually an overhive poster. Uh, we work with this artist in Brazil. His name is Caramuru. Uh, he's a friend of mine from, I believe, he's from Recife in Brazil, and he's insane, like insane artist. 
make some of the coolest posters and arts I have ever seen. And he made one that has the four of us. The, if you look at the poster, mm -hmm. the poster is actually me, my wife, my brother, and my sister-in-law working on a, on a overhive. And we are actual bees flying in. It's pretty cool. <laughs> That's cool. Well, dude, thank you so much for sharing all about these pedals. Um, yeah, for sure. I, they're just... They are too cool. They Thank are you just guys for having cool. me. This is this oh is, yeah, this is cool. That's yeah. cool too. Um, we have a little bit of a segment that we're gonna hit real quick. Um, oh, wait, hang on, Tony. No, nothing. Oh, okay. Um, Jared. Well, it's time for would you rather? rather would you rather? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Puberty. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather? Okay, this week's Would You Rather. So you won the Rick Nielsen sweepstakes, and you get to go to his secret guitar vault. Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. Yes. And uh, is it a vault or a cave? Whatever you want it to be. My I friend. want it to be a cave. It's, a, it's a vault. I want it to be a vault. It's a vault cave. It's, it's a, a vault. It's cave. a vault in okay. a cave. Okay. So you go in there, and all the guitars that he owns are there, and you get to choose one. No. Well, yeah. Out of two guitars, two, though, that's there's that's only right. two there. There's, there's only two, two because on this display. is Would You Rather, and it's either A or B. Right. This week's Would You Rather, guys. You're either going to choose his Checkerboard Explorer, Hammer. Hamer and, which Hamer had made. Yes. Yes. Or you're going to choose the Rick Nielsen caricature guitar, <laughs> which is an Uncle Dick double neck. It yeah. kind of looks like the, the taxi cab driver, but it's him. Yeah. It's a, so it's each a, of the necks is are his legs. There's yes. legs and the, the and reverse stocks are his feet. Right. And there's a reverse headstock and a normal one. So yeah. yeah, yeah, and and if you guys are at all intrigued, go look it up. It's pretty cool. He, yeah. I mean, he was pretty famous. It's for that. known as the Uncle Dick Double Neck. Yeah, it's pretty wild looking. It's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, Tony, what are you going with? Both very cool guitars, but he played that Checkerboard Explorer forever, and there is so much mojo mm -hmm. on that, among mm -hmm. other things. I'm I'm going with that. That that that's that is just the oh, one wow. of the coolest guitars. Okay. And it's got, you know, like I said, it's just from road value, everything. I mean it's probably beat I mean, pictures I've seen, it's beat to hell. Yeah. Right. But it's I saw got, a copy at one of the at, they actually had a, a copy of one of those at uh one of the um Columbus guitar shows uh about a year or two back, and I really wish I would have got it. Yeah, Hammer's always made pretty good guitars. Well what's really cool about it too is they've they even painted on the on the pickups right yeah the checkerboard Everything. so it's like a total checkerboard yeah. thing yeah. so that's that is what i am going with checkerboard okay. hammer so cool. explorer jared i am gonna go with the uncle dick double neck and i'm gonna write taxi on it with a black marker of course that's what i'm doing completely ruined the value of it i don't care it's <laughs> it's it's, 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 it's really it's yours now. honestly it's yours it is really cool you can have rick write taxi on it and then, and then it'll be worth something. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Philippe, which one are you choosing? I'll go, I'll have to go with the double neck as well. Just, <laughs> I don't know, it looks weird and it looks terrible, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, super it's probably iconic. the ugliest guitar I have ever seen. But I would have it just because of that, you know. At least 
it's it does its job pretty well, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> I would take that one. Uh well, I'm definitely going with the Explorer, uh the the Hamer Explorer and it's probably I I guess we're probably the dum dums because they probably didn't call it the Explorer. So <laughs> I believe it's a standard okay. Hamer standard, the Hamer standard, which looks like an Explorer. But uh, I'm with you on that. I mean, every tune that I love, I, I, I'm quite sure came off of that. Oh, guitar, absolutely, so. yeah. Um. Anyways, that was super fun. Um. Who knows? Maybe one of us will end up with it someday. Or oh man, we should make a copy of that. You build a copy of that. Let's take yours and make paint a checkerboard. Ooh, my the Gibson. You just need some white electrical tape and black uh, electrical tape. Anyways, okay, cool. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, we want to just uh, say uh, a few thanks to a couple people real quick. Well, yes, we love to thank some very important people, VIPs, if you will. Oh yeah, uh, our executive producers who become executive producers by going to Patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs and in addition to an incredible prize package for becoming a executive producer jared there's something else that happens well guess what you get to have your name read on the thing right and that prize package is your name read on the thing a t-shirt a barefoot button with our logo on it and a sticker pack among other things. That's no, that's it. I'm throwing some more stuff in. Oh, you are? Guitar picks. Guitar picks. Everybody right. gets guitar okay. picks. Okay. You get a guitar pick. You get a guitar pick. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Time right. to go. So without further ado, I would like to thank the following list of executive producers. Zach J. Wright. Gary Goodman. Darren Gregory. Alex Leggett. Robert Marfleet. John Anglin. Chris Kearney. Sean S. Oliver Gonzalez. John Daly, Robin Smith, Derek Fitzer, Pete Marshall, Carlos Mancha, Matt Brammer, David Wolfson, Martin Cliff, and last but not certainly not least, Tom Berezin. That's the guy. Yep. All right. Thank you guys so much for being our patrons. And if you are interested, again, head over to, to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. You can join at one, five, or ten, or more dollars if you like. And there's a little something for everybody. Uh, we want to say a humongous thank you to the Btronics uh, founder himself, Philippe. Uh, Philippe, where can people find your wares? Uh, just like as our website, btronicsfx.com. Uh, our Instagram page is where I guess we connect the most and use the most and communicate with everyone. So that would be probably the easiest cool path to get in touch with us. Excellent. And we have two new pedals coming up that uh, yes. maybe we can uh, make sure that you throw on our uh, our Facebook group or just let me know and we'll put them up there for you yeah, when you for launch sure. those. Awesome. And uh, thank Tony. you. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you. I oh, really yeah. Absolutely, it. man. Uh, sorry it took me a bit, but no I worries. Made it. Better thank late you. than never, as they no say. No worries. Uh, Always welcome. Uh, Tony, where can they find you? Let's just say you're looking for a custom pick guard for that guitar. Uh -huh. It's bugging you. You want to change the pickups. You want to do something. I'd suggest going to pickguardian.com. I would too. That's a great place to start. You can also go to the social media outlets. Yep. And check us out there. Good. And Jared? If you uh, you need a pickup repaired, restored, you don't want to get a new one, you want the original one, or you just need a, a really good set of boutique pickups, uh, please get a hold of me, Jared, J-A-R-E-D, at BrandonWildPickups.com. Perfect. And thank you. 
You are welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, you can send us a note anytime you like. Todd at theguitarnobs.com. Visit our website, theguitarnobs.com. And check out our Four on the Floor and all of our podcasts reaching back to Foreverville. Uh, everybody, thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you next week. Subscribe! Yeah. Yeah. Hey, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Guitar knobs. Catch you next time.